The message you are listening to was recorded by Campus Outreach for the 2021 Campus Outreach New Year's Conference. More information about Campus Outreach New Year's Conference can be found at conycindy.com. But the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this opportunity to be here today. Thank you for this conference. Um, Thank you for the fellowship that has been created over the past two days. I pray that we would continue to get to know one another and get to meet new people. And Lord, I pray over the speaker, Derek, today. I pray that as he teaches your word, um, you would just work in him and through him so that you can reach the people that you want to reach today. And Lord, I pray that as people come to this conference, they would just come with an open heart and a deeper desire to get to know more about you, Lord. Um, So we thank you. We love you. And in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. Good morning, CO. What's up? Thank you, thank you. It's good to be here this morning. Heard some of y'all stayed up pretty late. Um, I didn't, but y'all can't go to sleep on me this morning, okay? Deal? Deal. All right. Well, a couple of you asked. I'm gonna. I'm Derek Puckett for you that don't know. Maybe you didn't hear it last night. Uh, They call me Pastor D at my church. I pastor a church called Renewal Church of Chicago. It's in the city. Uh, we have some f- people that are here from UIC as well as Chicago, Illinois. And so if you're ever in the city, come visit us, Renewal Church of Chicago. If you forget the name, follow me on social media or someplace, and you will see all of that. And you can follow us online. Now it's COVID, so everything's streamed online. So I'd love for you all to join in with us in, in our church. Uh, this morning, we're going to continue in a series of messages, as I talked about last night, where Jesus... Uh, says he is I am and this comes from if you remember uh, Exodus chapter 3 14 where God tells Moses to go back to uh, free the Israelites and he says well God well, who do I tell them who sent me when I go back and he says tell them I am sent you and remember last night I told you when God says this I am it means a couple things it means to be and it means I will be, which means that what God is really trying to get across to Moses and to the people of Israel is that I'm God. I'm for my people. I always will be God, and I always will be for my people. Now, why is that important? When we flip to the New Testament, we see Jesus say the same thing 12 different times. He says, I am, and then he gives us seven different characteristics with these uh, 12, where he says seven different times what I am actually means well, we're talking about a few of them throughout our time and this morning we're going to look at where he says I am the door in John 10 again what Jesus is saying by saying this is that I am God he's making this claim that I am God I'm for my people and I always will be God amen well, we're going to be in John 10 this morning, and since it's the morning session, we're going to read the first 10 verses together, but I'm going to ask you, as we would at my church, go ahead and stand up with me if you're able. We're going to read it. If you don't have a Bible, look at the screen. It'll be there. John 10, verses 1 through 10. I need a what up, Pastor D, on the count of three. Make sure y'all wait. One, two, three. What up, Pastor D? Amen, amen. 
If you got it, go ahead and say got it. Starting in verse 1, here now, the reading of God's word, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it abundantly. The very word of God. Amen. Today I want to speak on the topic before you take your seat. I am the door. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this morning. You are truly a good God. God, I do ask that as I speak this morning, as I say every time, that you would hide me behind your cross, decrease me so that we can hear a word from you this morning. We don't need to hear my word. We need to hear you. And so, Jesus, I ask that you would speak and that our hearts will be open to hear what you may have for us. Do your work in this place. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus that we all said together. Amen. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. Anybody in here ever read the book Chronicles of Narnia? All right, I got some oohs and ahs with that one. Chronicles of Narnia. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you, you may have seen some of the commercials or things like that where you see Aslan, the, the big lion, he's a talking lion. You, you, you got the talking animals, and then you have the wicked ice queen. Uh, we all have probably seen this. We've probably heard of it a bit. Uh, but I want to give you a bit of a reminder about it. In the first one, the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe, you have uh, some kids that are evacuated, four sibling, siblings that are evacuated from London, uh, to the English countryside following World War II. In the movie, once the children get to the professor's house that they're staying in, they play the game hide-and-go-seek. And as they're running through the house, they uh, come across this, this wardrobe, and in the wardrobe, as they open the door to the wardrobe and they start wading through or getting through all the clothes, once they get to the other side of the wardrobe, they find a magical land on the other side. Now, this land is very different from where they came outside of the wardrobe. Uh, let me try to break this down. They, they enter into a, a door a very particular door, a specific door, and once they go through the door, the reality that they once were in inside the home completely changes. I, let, let, me, let me make it a little bit more clear. They, they, on one side of the door, 
there is the rest of the home. But once they go through the door, there's a land that's snowing. On one side of the door, there's animals where they're pets, normal pets. And then when you get to the other side of the door, the animals rule in the kingdom. On, on one side of the door, they're just regular old kids that are playing hide and go seek. But once they get through the door, they become a king, a queen, prince, and a princess. All of this changes because they chose to go through a very specific door. I, I hope you are following me. Friends, in our text this morning, Jesus, he's making a very exclusive claim by saying, I am the door. And what he's saying is that salvation only comes through me. True life only comes through me. True hope only comes through me. True satisfaction only comes through me. He says, I am the door to enter into the sheepfold, thus saying, belief in me is the only way for one to become a part of the people of God. The sheepfold. But see, if we're honest, in our culture today, in society, this is is pretty problematic. Because we we have an issue with this idea of exclusivity. We don't really like that in our culture today. As a matter of fact, when I started talking about this particular door and and Jesus being the only way to true life or satisfaction, some of us probably were squirming a bit. Because we don't really like exclusivity, no, no. We we like to be in the know. And the reason being is because when we hear the word exclusivity, we we start to think of, well, that, that means them and not us, or that means... This way is better, or this person's better than that person. And we struggle with this idea of exclusivity, right? If we're honest, we do. And friends, here's what I want you to notice. I don't want you to miss this. You see, when we think of exclusivity, we, we typically think of us and not them, or them and not us. And, and we, we take this same sense of understanding of exclusivity And this is where it becomes problematic because we take this exclusivity and we relate it or we we, we put it next to the exclusivity of Jesus. And we we try to say that they're the same things. And and that poses a problem because now what it does is it makes Christianity seem as if it's only for the good people. Or if it's only for for the people that that do good or it's only for this person and and not that person. And, and, And that's not the case at all. See, the exclusivity of Jesus does not equal the exclusivity of the world. The exclusivity of Jesus is not us and not them. It's instead everyone but only through Jesus. Follow me. It's not I'm better than you, so therefore I get Jesus. It's Jesus is better than all of us, but he makes a way for all of us. Y'all missed your amen. You see, the question of exclusivity of Jesus, it's a hard one for us to reconcile because it messes with our understanding of inclusivity. We like being in the know. 
We like being privy to everything that's going on. And we don't like the idea of someone being excluded from something because, especially if they're a good person in our minds. Oh, well, they do good things. Well, they definitely have to be accepted. Or I do good things and I definitely have to be accepted. And here's the hard truth. Jesus does not desire our good works. But instead, Jesus, or God, should I say, desires for us to be holy. And there is nothing, here's the hard truth, that we can do in our own strength or power to be holy. Because we're all sinful. Now sin is this, this, uh, it's a term that comes from archery where if you had a bullseye and you're shooting a a, a bow and arrow and you're you're trying to hit the the bullseye, you're you're missing it every time. That's what sin actually means. We're, We're missing the mark. And what's the mark? The mark is God's holiness. It's utter perfection. It's the standard of perfection that none of us in here, sorry to burst our bubble, including mine, none of us are perfect. We all have mess in our life. We all miss the mark. This is why Jesus had to come into humanity and die for us as the one and only holy and unblemished lamb of God sent to take away the sins of the world. So now when we believe, here's the good news, when we believe in Jesus, we're now holy because God, instead of seeing our mess, you know what he sees? He sees the believer blanketed or or covered in the righteousness of Jesus. You see, that's good news. So now he sees you, and this is grace, he sees you, and he doesn't see your mess, he doesn't see the things you did last night or even this morning, but instead he sees his son, and he looks at you and he says, well done, my son or my daughter. It's not based off of anything you did, but it's based off of what's been done on your behalf. So hear me, family. The argument of not feeling or I don't like the exclusivity of Jesus because I'm a good person or I should be accepted does not work. So here's the argument I want to make this morning. The exclusivity of Jesus saying he's the door is Jesus saying that he's God and he's the only way to true salvation. But at the same time, watch this, he's saying he's good and he makes the pathway open to all. So in other words, he's exclusive, but he doesn't exclude anyone. Basically, don't get what I'm saying twisted. Anyone can be saved, but there's only one door that leads to salvation, which is through Jesus. So, so what we have to do is we, we kind of we got to really flip this idea of exclusivity on its head when we come to Jesus because it, it's not like uh, being excluded from a group of cool kid, kids. This ain't Mean Girls where the plastics over here and all the nerds and everything over. Y'all know what that is, Mean Girls. This ain't that. This ain't the plastics and, and all the other people over here. No, 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 no. You got to flip it on its head. See, what I mean is that we mistake the exclusivity of Jesus as, and we take it as an indictment against us for something that we're not or we're not good enough when in actuality it has nothing to do with that and it really is the complete opposite. It really has to do with all that he is and nothing to do with what we're not. Hear me, family. The exclusivity of Jesus is a really good thing. It's a freeing and a provincial truth. I don't want you to miss that. 
This is an awesome truth because it means, here it is, that if we believe, we don't have to find our own way in this life. It's not all up to you. The the world is not on your shoulders. You don't have to make it on your own. We don't have to depend depend on ourselves for truth or salvation or anybody else. But instead, we can depend on God himself wrapped in flesh, Jesus, who didn't just come and die and take away the sins of the world. But when we read our passage, he says, I am the door. Which means, he said, I am the Lord. Everything you're searching for, as we just heard in the testimony, every, uh, uh, all of your satisfaction, all of your fulfillment is found in me. Friends, that's a freeing gift if we believe. It's freedom. And today I, I want to I further unpack this passage So hopefully, as we all walk out of here this morning, we go away with the understanding not of the problem with the exclusivity of Jesus, but we walk away feeling the gift and the freedom that we have in Jesus. Jesus says, I am the door. Now, as we enter in this text today, we got to go to school a bit because If you read just the passages, a lot of times you read it out of context. So we got to talk about the context surrounding the scripture today here in in chapter nine. Before we get into chapter 10, it comes uh, right before this where Jesus in chapter nine, he he takes this. He takes some mud, picture him reaching down into the ground and he he, he takes some dirt and he he spits in the the mud and he, he, he starts wiping it on this guy's face and he heals the man that's born blind. This man is able to see now. After this, immediately after the guy is done washing off the mud and he's able to see, the people around him cannot believe that this man can see now. This man is brought to the Pharisees, the leaders of the land, and they asked, well, who healed you? And the man starts to say, well, Jesus did. And because it was on the Sabbath day, watch this, this is the Sabbath day, a day of rest, because Jesus healed a man born blind. I don't want you to miss this. He healed a man born, born, born blind, but because it's on the Sabbath day, the day of rest, they deemed Jesus to be sinful, and they say, well, no, Jesus couldn't have did that. Jesus couldn't have hit, healed this man because he's a sinner because he did some work on the Sabbath. He healed a man. This once blind man, but now could see, starts to continue to explain who healed him. But they continue to deny and say that it can't be from God because this guy healed you on the Sabbath. And at this point, I love it. My, my man gets bold. The blind man gets bold. And he's like, look here, listen, listen. Uh, in chapter 9, verse 32, he says, look, never since the world began, he's talking to the leaders of the land, Has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind? If this were not from God, he could do nothing. (laughs) He basically says, Jesus has to be from God. We have never seen anything like this done before. The Pharisees, as a result of this, they cast the man out of the synagogue. Jesus finds the man and he professes belief in Jesus as the son of man or the Messiah and the one who is over everything. He, He professes belief in his savior. And the Pharisees, they hear of Jesus's works and they begin to question him because Jesus says in verse 39, I told you Jesus gets a little bit gangster when he talks to the Pharisees and he 
And he, he says, I came in this world so that the blind might see. And they say, well, man, Jesus, does that mean that we're blind? And, and Jesus replies to them. I love it. He says, well, if you were blind, then I couldn't hold you accountable for the things that you do because you wouldn't be able to uphold some of the standards of some of the writings because you actually can't do it because you're blind. But, can't, but because you can see, <laughs> you are guilty of your sin. I love Jesus. He gets real bold with them. You know what you do, so he says you are guilty. And this brings us to our passage today. It's all setting up our passage. Jesus begins in verse 1, and he says, truly, truly, in chapter 10. Now, I need you to understand what this means when they say truly, truly. This was only used by people in authority. The priests would say it. So when the people heard Jesus say truly, truly, their ears perk up a little bit because they know what follows is about to be authoritative. They need to listen to what he's about to say. So he says, truly, truly, and he grabs their attention and he proceeds to give them an illustration dealing with the door of a sheepfold, a shepherd and a sheep. But this morning, I really want to talk about where he says, I'm the door. Uh, Jesus says in verse one, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way is a robber and a thief. Again, the sheepfold is synonymous with the people of God. Y'all hold on. I promise I'm coming to your neighborhood. And let me break this down a bit more. The sheepfold would commonly be in the courtyard. So just picture this. Here's the, here, here's the, the temple or, or house or whatever it may be. But on the side of it, there's a courtyard where the sheepfold, they would be. The sheep would graze inside of this. And then there's a, a door and there's a gatekeeper that would be there or a hired hand. Or it might be the shepherd himself who would guard the entrance to the sheepfold in the courtyard where nobody could come in. The, the shepherd would, would keep the sheep from wandering and guard against wild animals trying to eel, eat or kill the sheep. He would also protect against thieves and robbers who would want to come in and take the sheep. See, what Jesus here in this passage is saying is that anyone who enters the sheepfold another way is not of God. You can only come in through the door with the shepherd. If you don't come in with him, you're, 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 you're not of God. What, what Jesus is doing, when you read this text in the context, what he's really doing is juxtaposing or comparing and contrasting his teachings versus that of the Pharisees. Thus, he's saying, anyone who came before me, Anyone who opposes my teaching, they're robbers and they're thieves. But the one who enters through the door is the shepherd. In essence, many want to get through the door to the sheepfold, but you only do so through the shepherd. Y'all still with me? Now, here at this point, the folks listening to Jesus, they wouldn't have had a problem with this. They would have understood everything that he's saying. They understand the, the sheepfold illustration. They don't have any argument with the shepherd illustration because commonly throughout the Bible, they've heard God being referred to as a shepherd. So they really don't have any problem with what he's saying. But the text says that they didn't get what Jesus was saying. And I believe it's not because they didn't understand the illustration. They probably are kind of looking at Jesus a little cockeyed, like, what you trying to get at? 
What you talking about, Willis? What you mean, Jesus? What, what, you, what, what, what you trying to say? You ever heard, had anybody say some things to you and you're like, I feel like you're coming at me, but I, I, I don't know. What you trying to get at? So when you get to verse 7 here in the text, this is where they would have had a problem. Because Jesus again says, truly, truly, which again, remember, what follows is authoritative and important. So they're listening again. Jesus proceeds to say that he's not the gatekeeper. He doesn't say he's the shepherd yet, but he says, I'm the door to the sheepfold. Now, y'all, they would have had a problem with this one. Many of them would have been ready to fight Jesus because what he's saying here now is that now if the people of God are the, the sheepfold and and when he says, I'm the door, what they're saying is, what he's saying is like, wait a second, if we're the sheepfold and you're the door to get into the sheepfold, then you're saying that you're God. You're, you're the high priest. You're the shepherd of the sheep. Wait a second. He's making an exclusive claim that nobody can become a part of the people of God or the sheepfold except through me. Y'all, they would have had a problem with this. He says in verse 8, all who came before me, they're thieves and robbers, basically saying those were, those were some false prophets. Those people weren't teaching truth. They, 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 they promised things that, that never came to truth. They, they, were, they, they had idols that promised life and, and they underdelivered. They, they promised satisfaction, but they never gave you true life. None of them were actually me. And see, this is problematic. This is for us, too, because one's perception of who God is and what he's supposed to provide, hear me, most of the time does not equal what Jesus offers. What I feel about God or what I think he should give me, most of the time doesn't add up or equal to what he actually does. And that's problematic. See, hear me, these people in the text, they're looking at Jesus and they're like, well, we're under Roman persecution right now, Roman rule. We ain't looking for no promise right now. We, we don't need just new, we're not looking for the promise of life. We need to be freed from under the persecution and the rule that we're under. That's what we need right now, Jesus. We don't need the promise. We're looking for freedom. And see, what happens is that they miss the freedom in Jesus' claim to be the door because just looking at Jesus or what he's done is not enough. And we miss that too. It's like, Jesus, I need this right now, but Jesus is giving this. And hear me, on top of that, even in the text, this is contrary to Jewish belief right now. You, we just need to believe in you, Jesus. All we have to do is that, and now we're saved. I'm so, wait a second. I don't have to follow a law, no commandments or anything like that. Wait, all I got to do is believe in you, and I'm saved. That makes no sense, Jesus. We haven't been taught that. Now, as I mentioned last night, this is really tough for us, too. Because we live in a world that promises life and life to the full based off of how hard you work. Based off of what you do with your hands and the sweat off your back. People believe they can be the captain of their souls. We believe we can have it our way like Burger King or my way like Usher. 
hear me, pride in what you do and how hard you work runs deep, runs deep within us. It's in the fabric of our culture and society, which breeds this simple belief that if I just work hard enough, I can make it. You can live life to the full. You can have that plush house with the white picket fence and the dog that everybody wanted. And the hard truth is, hear me, most of us will never accomplish that comfortable American dream. And even if we do, here's the other side of that problem. The hamster will never stops. We'll always want more and more. And we'll keep climbing that proverbial ladder of success. When does it stop? When are you satisfied? Hear me. What this world has to offer, apart from Jesus, will never be enough. It reminds me of when Tom Brady, y'all know him, I call him the GOAT, Tom Brady. Tom Brady, after he won his, y'all can argue about who's the greatest quarterback, whatever, but after he, he won his third Super Bowl ring, this is a while back, he was being interviewed and at the time, he was making more money than any player. I mean, this dude was killing the game. He won three Super Bowl rings. He's married to a supermodel, and he's being interviewed, and he says, well, I still feel like there's more to life than this. Now, let me rewind the tape. Did you hear his resume? He just won his third Super Bowl ring. Not one, not two, but third. He signed a $60 million contract. That was a whole bunch of money back in the early 2000s. It's still a lot of money today. He's married to a supermodel named Giselle. I can't say her last name, but she was fine. She's fine, you know, and everybody wanted to marry this woman. I mean, and he, so that's his resume, but yet, he still says, there's got to be more to life than this. Friends, you know how or someone like him could say there's got to be more to life than this when they're living their dream life? Because there's a God-shaped void inside of all of us that we spend our whole lives trying to feel and it can only be filled by Jesus. Jesus says in this passage that he's the door and that's good news because all you're searching for, all we're searching for can be found in him. You don't believe me? Look at this passage. Verse 9, he says not only is he the door but 
He says, then, if you enter by me, look at this, you will be saved and will be free to go in and out and find pasture. I love this. Let me break it down a bit for you. Jesus doesn't just say, I'm the door or God, but he says, through me, you will be saved. In essence, you'll find satisfaction. You'll find fulfillment. You'll find all that you're looking for. The life you want is found in me nowhere else, not in your spouse, not in your children, not in that job you want, not in your money, not in family. Nowhere else. True life is found in Jesus. Then he says, in me, that you will be able to go in and out and find pasture. Follow me with this. What Jesus is saying here is he's reverting back to the sheep illustration. Because remember, the sheep follow the shepherd. They follow his voice. It says in verse 3 through 5 that the sheep hear his voice. They hear his voice. He calls them by name. He leads them out. And they follow him. And they flee away from strangers. Now, the question with this becomes, well, why in the world is this important? What does this mean to us, Pastor D? Why is this important? Hear me, family. Hear me. Hear me. Sheep are some really dumb animals. Follow me with this. They're really dumb. They don't bring much to the table. In fact, they can't protect themselves. The only thing they could do is bash someone to death. They can't protect themselves. They can't run really fast. They are not leaders. They follow. In fact, there's many stories of of sheep just literally seeing the cliff and running and jumping off the cliff. And then the others will just follow. I mean, could you picture this? They're just jumping to their death. Bah, boom, bah, boom. At the the bottom of the cliff, just this bloody mess of sheep. Sorry if y'all are getting a little queasy from that, but just picture that's kind of dumb, ain't it? That's sheep. But hear me, just like a baby who may not know anything else, They know the voice of their parents. Don't miss this. Sheep know the voice of their shepherd. They know the voice of their father and they follow. You know why? Don't miss it. Because over time, they've come to associate the shepherd's voice with certain benefits. When they hear his His whistle, it comes with certain benefits. They begin to understand that over time, that voice is the one who protects them. Ooh, this is good. That's the voice that that leads them. That's the voice that feeds them. That's the voice that cares for them, which now, watch this, frees the sheep up to freely graze and eat and roam and carefree because they know that the shepherd is keeping watch. Some of y'all just missed that thing. Friends, Jesus in this passage, he's trying to say to us, I'm the door to true freedom. I'm the door to true security. I'm the door to true satisfaction. I'm the door to true fulfillment. All that other stuff and whatever people have promised you will never satisfy. What you're looking for can only be found through entering or in other words, by believing in me, the door. And watch this. Once you walk in through that door, you'll truly be shepherded for the rest of your life. And you'll be able to freely roam and graze carefree because you know that the shepherd 
is always keeping watch over his sheep. Jesus says, I am the door. That's good news. You see, we commonly think coming to Jesus is going to restrict us from having freedom. It's going to restrict us from having fun. It's going to restrict us from having true life. And Jesus said in the passage, the, the, the direct opposite. He says, the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come so that they may have life and have it abundantly. Family, everything in our life requires us to do something and work to get to something or get something that we want. And don't hear me saying that we shouldn't work hard. We should work hard. We should enter our jobs and we should come and bring our best. But the one thing, hear me saying this, the one thing that we can never achieve on this earth or work hard enough for is true life and satisfaction apart from Jesus and the best part about all of this is that Jesus has done all the work he did all the work when he died for us on the cross he took all our wrongdoings upon himself and he hung on that cross with nails in each one of his hands and nails in his feet and he took our sins to the grave once and for all And when he got up from the grave, it symbolized him defeating Satan's sin and death. He got up with power in his hands, and through our belief, we now can live with him. Not only now, but on through eternity in heaven. And all we got to do is believe. See, apart from him, all that matters. And how our worth is measured is how you're seen by others. But when you believe in Jesus, God's not looking at your achievements. He's not looking at your failures and shaking his head in approval or disapproval. I can't believe you didn't do that thing that way. I can't believe you didn't win. No, 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 no. But instead, he sees his son, Jesus, the sinless, unblemished lamb of God who died in our place. And I love this word. Ephesians tells us that he's lavished his grace upon us. He's covered us in grace. See, instead of God seeing our mess when he sees us, he sees you and he sees his son and his daughter. And he says, well done because of what Jesus has done on your behalf. That's good news, friends. And when you truly understand that grace, now you can freely roam that pasture and you can freely live life abundantly, work hard without the burden of someone's approval because now you work from approval instead of for approval based off of what Jesus has done for you. You're accepted by the most high God. You believed and you entered through the right door. Jesus says, I'm the door. hear me somebody or some of us walked in here this morning you came into the conference and you're in the place that my brother was here as he's talking about and sharing his testimony life has has really gotten you down you feel like you don't make enough money you feel like your grades aren't high enough you feel like you're just not enough you don't measure up Friendships just aren't the way that you want them to be. Relationships are broken right now. You're just tired of the monotony of life and the way it is right now. Jesus is saying to you, trust me. 
Trust me, for I'm the door. Believe in me, and you'll find all the acceptance and all the satisfaction and all the fulfillment that you need. He says in the passage, I am the door. I'm the one that you're searching for. Look no further. It's all found in me, he says. Believe. Believe. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning and your goodness. God, we thank you that you are indeed the door, Jesus. We thank you that you've done all the work dying on the cross for our sins. That it's not based off anything we do or any work we bring to the table. You're not looking at us and saying, hold up this standard. But you've, you've lavished your grace on us. And you've loved us. Not based off of what we've done, but based off of what Jesus has done. What kind of love is this? God, I pray that we would believe and that we'd walk in the midst of that belief, constantly being reminded of your goodness on our behalf. That we're safe through faith. And it's that same faith that keeps us going day by day by day. And even when we get off track, as some of us may be in this place, where we've reverted back to our own strength and doing things the way we want and figuring out uh, life our way and saying, Jesus, come on and ride with me instead of us following you. God, I pray in that moment we would run back to the Father. We'd run back to you. And we would believe. For the person that's never believed, God, I pray that even now, from the sound of my voice, that they would confess you as Lord Jesus. And know based off of that belief, they're saved. God, we thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love on our behalf. We pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. And we all said together, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Campus Outreach. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without written permission from Campus Outreach. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at conycindy.com.